I want you to take your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, whatever you have, and stand. Can we do that? We're going to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I'm so delighted that you're worshiping the Lord with us. I realize many people are streaming, and thank you, thank you so very much. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, reads like this. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will be likened unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell not. And the reason why it didn't fall is because it was founded on that rock. And everyone that heareth these sins of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I want to talk to you about football lessons for life. I'm a pretty methodical guy. Basically, I'm, I'm really a, a very simple person. If, I, if I'm going to a restaurant, rarely do I ever look at the menu, because if I've been there before, I know what I like. And if it's good, why mess it up? I'm just a pretty, uh, I'm just a pretty methodical guy. My pattern's always the same. Sunday morning, I get up about five o'clock. As quickly as I get up, I go to the gym. I exercise at the gym. Nobody's at the gym on Sunday morning but me, basically. And I'm there. And after I finish exercising, I review my sermon, go back, get cleaned up and start making my way to church. That was the pattern this morning. Literally, as I'm on my way to church, I pull into a convenience store, and I'm walking out of the convenience store, and a lady says to me, Pastor Benny. And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, did you hear about what happened in Macon yesterday? I said, no, no, no. what happened in Macon, Georgia? She said, well, a policeman found uh, an abandoned, lost little girl. I said, you're kidding I said, yes, she's just, just a small little girl. She was abandoned and lost. And, and uh, I said, well, tell me what happened. And she said, well, the policeman said, uh, I, I need to take you to your parents. And she didn't want to reveal the name of her parents. She didn't want to tell who her mom and dad was. And he said, you know, I, I've got to know. I've got to know who your parents are so I can take you. And finally she consented, but she said, I don't, I don't want to go to my parents because my parents beat me. And... Uh, he said, well, I'm so sorry about that. He said, what about your grandparents? And she said, I, I don't want to go to them either because they beat me. And then he said, well, honey, where do I take you? She said, I want you to take me to Knoxville, Tennessee. I want to go to the Tennessee Vols because they don't beat nobody. <laughs> now, listen. I've enjoyed this series, but I haven't enjoyed the football. <laughs> but I want to talk to you about football lessons for life. Vince Lombardi was a great football coach, and Vince Lombardi every year would begin football season, the great coach of the Green Bay Packers. He would begin football season, and would take a football just like this, and he would show it to his players, and he would say, Men, this is a football. 
Men, this is a football. What Vince Lombardi was saying to his team was, we're going to begin with the basics. And what I want to do today, I want to talk to you about the basics. I want to talk to you about basic things for life that can transform your life and make your life everything that it's meant to be. And it all comes from football. First of all, from football, I learned this. You've got to have the right foundation. You've got to have the right foundation. Now, Jesus was the greatest preacher who ever lived. You said, Brother Benny, I bet Jesus was like you. He got all excited. No, I don't believe he was that kind of preacher. I really don't. Think about it. The greatest sermon that was ever given was the sermon, the sermon on the mount. And literally, he gave this sermon setting down. No, no, no. He, I mean, he, he gave this sermon sitting down. I, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I think he was that kind of preacher. I, I don't think he needed somebody, you know, I don't, I don't think he, I just, he just gave it sitting down, but he gave the greatest sermon ever was. And he ended this sermon, we talked about the Lord's Prayer, he talked about the Beatitudes, but he ended this sermon with the story that we're studying about today, about the two men who built houses. And one built his house on the rock, and one built his house on the sand. Now, I want you to, right quickly, I'm going to hit these fast. I want you to look at some things about these two builders. The first thing I want you to see about these two builders is this. Two men had the same desire. Two men had the same desire. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Benny? Two men had the same desire. Well, keep in mind, they both wanted to build a house. Now, understand this. When the Bible's talking about a house, that can be talking about individual life. When the Bible's talking about a house, it's talking about a family. When the Bible's talking about a house, it's talking about a ministry because we're the household of faith. When the Bible is talking about a house, it's talking about a nation because Israel was referred to as the house of Israel. The house of of Israel. Our, the business of our nation is done in the white house. So two men had the same desire. Get this, folks. These two men heard the same message. These two men heard the same message. Look what verse 24 says. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them to them, will be likened to a wise man which built his house upon the rock. But look what verse 24 says. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them will be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. These two cats heard the very same message. You're hearing the message today. The third thing I want you to see, these two men faced the same storm. See, they lived in the same neighborhood. You say, preacher, you don't know they lived in the same neighborhood. Yes, I do. Because they both encountered the same storm. They lived in the same neighborhood. And this is where we are in life. You're either in a storm, you just got out of a storm, or you're heading into a storm. That's called life. Two men faced the same storm. But don't you know something else? The two men had different characters. The Bible says one was wise, and he built his house upon a rock. 
And the Bible says the other one was a moron. <laughs> you say, Pastor, that is very harsh. No, no, I'm not harsh. The word foolish is translated from a Greek word which means moron. Literally, that's what Jesus said. He said the guy who built his house on the rock was wise and the guy who built his house upon the sand was a moron. The two men faced, the two men had different characters. The one who built it upon the sand, he was a moron. See, folks, somebody said to me the other day, said, Pastor Benny, it's not fair that you have all these Christian holidays. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, Christmas, Thanksgiving Day, they, wait, that's not fair. The, 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 the atheist don't have a holiday. Oh, yes, they do. They've got April Fool's Day. Remember, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. Now, now wait. Two men had different foundations. One of them was rock. One of them was sand. And folks, let me tell you something. Your foundation is so important. When Luke was writing this very same text, look what he said. He that is likened to a man which built a house and digged deep. When the storm comes, it'll tell you how deep the foundation is. See, if you're going to build something of any size, if you're going to build a skyscraper building, you better have the right foundation. I was studying this week about the Tower of Pisa. You know, it's the lean, I, I've never gone to Italy to the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I, I, I'd love to go. That'd be a great trip for pastor appreciation. But anyway, <laughs> I, I've never gone to the Leaning Tower of Pisa. But do you realize, folks, every year, every year, that thing leans one twentieth of an inch more. That's amazing. Now, let, let me explain to you why. The word Pisa means marsh. It was built on marshy ground. It wasn't built on a good foundation. It was built on marshy ground. And ladies and gentlemen, when we build our lives on marshy ground, we get in trouble. Two men had the same desire. They had the same message. They faced the same storm, but they had different characters. They had different foundations. And the two men experienced different results. The storm came to one man's life, and the house withstood the storm. The storm came to other man's life, and the great was the fall of the house. And that's true if it be your life, if it be your marriage, if it be your ministry, if it be our nation. Ladies and gentlemen, what's imperative in your family is you're built on the right foundation. Listen, a threefold cord is not easily broken. You want your marriage to stand the test of time? Let me tell you something. My marriage has lasted 
34 years because I know Barbara loves Jesus more than she loves me. And Barbara knows I love Jesus more than I love her. And Barbara knows if I love Jesus more than I love her, I'll be a better husband to her. And if she loves Jesus more than she loves me, she'll be a better wife to me. I was watching an interview, 60 Minutes was interviewing Tom Brady. And in the interview, I, I, I looked at Tom, and I, I could tell Tom was deflated. But, uh, but in the interview, Tom Brady had a beautiful supermodel wife. He had more money than he knew what to do with. He had more Super Bowl rings than he could get on his fingers. And in that interview, Tom Brady said, I've got all this, but there's got to be more to life than this. And that interviewer said to Tom Brady, Tom, what do you think it is? And Tom Brady said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. And when I watched that interview, I thought, I wish I could have some time with Tom. I'd love to have some time with Tom because I'd put that football down in front of Tom. And I'd say, Tom, do something. Try to stand on that football. I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> try, try, Tom, to take both feet. Try, try to do it, Tom. Try, try to get both feet and... Then I'd say, Tom, you can't stand on football. But on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And ladies and gentlemen, the message for us is we can't stand on anything other than Jesus because everything, everything, the dimensions of this life, the demands of this life, the delusion, delusionment of this life, it's all going to pass. The only thing we can stand on is Jesus Christ. He's the one that will be with us all the way and the only one that's going to be with you all the way. So you've got to have the right foundation. But let me tell you something else I've learned about football. You've got to have the right position. You've got to have the right position. There was a football team that went 7-3. They were just a high school football team. And they went 7-3. But there was one player on the team that was a pretty good player. And he got a scholarship. He got a scholarship to go to Auburn University. And over at Auburn University, he was a defensive tackle. And there was a week that they were going to play a game in Auburn University. All of their running backs, they had three running backs that were hurt. And they said, you know what we got to do? We're going to take that old boy that plays defensive tackle, and we're going to put him in the running back position. And you know what they did? They put Bo Jackson in that running back position. And the rest was history. And he became one of the greatest running backs ever to play the game simply because he got in the right position. Now, here's what I want you to understand. There are no wrong people. You're not wrong. You're wonderful and beautiful and gloriously created by God. You're not wrong. Nobody's wrong. But you've got to get in the right position. 
You've got to find that sweet spot for your life. See, look what 1 Peter 4 and 10 says. It says, as every man or woman hath received the gift. You know what it says about every one of us? We're all gifted in different areas. Every one of us are gifted in different areas. And look what it says. Even so minister the same one to another. You know what God said? He said, I gifted all of you different <laughs> because I want you to minister to one another. I want you to help one another. That's why I've gifted you so much. That's why I've gifted you in this area or in that area, whether it be academics or whether it be business or whether it be financing or whether it be a homemaker or no matter what it is, but I've so gifted you in that area so you can help other people because when you do that, you get the satisfaction of doing it. And the, the greatest need in life is the need to be needed. Why, anybody can make a dollar, but friend, there's something about making a difference. And know you're making a difference in somebody's life. Amen? Knowing you're making a difference. And then what did he say? When you do that, when you realize you're gifted, when you use that gift to help other people, you get the fulfillment of it. Oh, and then God is glorified through Jesus Christ. God is glorified. He said, Pastor, I really don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, 69% of the people that Barna tells us in the church don't know what they're supposed to do. 69% of the people. You said, Pastor, I, I don't know what God wants me to do. What would you recommend? Would you think I need to do in us maybe a spiritual gift evaluation? That'd be okay. Perhaps you could ask people, what do you think I'm good at, those around you? But you know what I'd really recommend? Just start doing something. <laughs> Just start doing something. And through a process of elimination, through a process of elimination, you'll figure out what you're good at. If you just start doing something. But, folks, many times that means getting up off our blessed assurance. Amen? <laughs> getting up off our blessed assurance. I think many times we're like the guy that went out and he, he went golfing and he hit a ball about 300 yards down the fairway. But it landed right on a bed of fire ants. Yeah, and there was a thousand fire ants in that bed. By the way, this is a true story. There was a thousand fire ants in that bed. And he picked up that club and he swung again. And he killed 500 fire ants. But the ball was still on the fire ant bed. And then he picked up the club again and he swung and he killed 498 fire ants. But the ball was still there. And one fire ant looked over at the other fire ant and said, if we're going to survive, we better get on the ball. <laughs> Listen, folks, we just need to get on the ball. That involves getting up and doing something. And if you get up and do something, you'll find the right position. But if you stay a couch potato, you won't. See the right foundation? You got to get in the right position. But I found out something else. You got to have the right perspective. See, I believe that you're special, and I believe that God wants to do great things with your life. Why do you believe that, Pastor? Well, listen to what Daniel 11 and 32 says. It says, The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Second Chronicles 16 and 9 says, For the Lord. For the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong 
on the behalf of them whose hearts are committed to him. William Carey said this. He said, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. D.L. Moody said, if God's your partner, make your, make your plans big. Do you realize up to 1905, football was probably pretty boring. You say, why was it boring? Well, this is all they did. All they did ran, tackled, ran, tackled, ran, tackled, ran, tackled. About as exciting as paint dry, watching paint dry, run, tackle, run, tackle, run, tackle. That's all they did up to 1905. But in 1906, they implemented something into the game. It was called the pass. Boy, it spiced the game up. Oh, it's when they put the pass into the game. Boy, it spiced the game up. Folks, let me tell you something. God don't want you to live your life. Just run, tackle, run, tackle, run, tackle. I believe God wants some spice in your life. I'd rather attempt great things for God and fail than attempt nothing and succeed. Amen? Oh, listen. My old buddy Zig Ziglar was right. Success is not to arrive in heaven in a well-preserved body. No, no. That's not success. Success is to arrive in heaven. <laughs> sliding in sideways in a totally worn-out body, shouting, holy cow, wow, what a ride. That's what life's about. I want to get 80 years old. I want to live to be 80 years old and look back and say, I didn't miss a thing. I didn't live my life run, tackle, run, tackle. I threw the ball all over the field because it's exciting when we throw the ball all over the field. Not only, folks, do you have to have the right perspective, but you've got to have the right conclusion. You've got to have the right conclusion. You say, what are you, what are you saying? Let me tell you something. Yesterday, I watched the football game, and I sure was proud when it was over. <laughs> and I thought about it. No matter if the game's good or bad, the game's going to end. No matter if the game's good or bad, let me tell you something, the game's going to end. I'll promise you, one day the game's going to end. It just, the, the game just ends. I love what Walter Payton said. Walter Payton said, remember, tomorrow is promised to no one. Remember, tomorrow is promised to no one. Hebrews 4 and 13 says these words. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him. One translation says, because we will stand before him. The eyes of him. Let me tell you this story and I'm done. Because I'll allude back to this verse. I was raised in a real dysfunctional, abusive family. I was raised by a stepfather who was abusive to my mother. He was abusive to me. He was a, a very vile, sinful man. Just I'll, just I'll just say that. And uh, they would be nights that I would uh, come in and my stepfather had uh, beat my mother. We weren't in church. I would go to my bedroom. We weren't Christians. Again, I was, never, I was not in church with my mother until I was 16 years of age. And I would go to my bedroom and I would pray. And this is the prayer I'd pray. I'd say, God, if my mother would just marry Roger Stahlbeck. If Mama would marry Roger, we could get out of this. 
See, I was a fan of Roger Staubach. He was Roger the Dodger. He was the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And Roger the Dodger, when he could have went pro and he finished out his career in the Navy, and that mattered more to him than playing pro football. He's a wonderful individual. He's a wonderful quality person. And I would pray and say, Mama, just marry Roger. Just marry Roger. Now, let me tell you something. Prayers are not always answered the way we want them to be answered. Because Mama never did marry Roger Staubach. She, she never did marry Roger. Now, I remember I, a few years ago, I was going to preach in Dallas, Texas. And I thought, I'm going to write Roger Staubach. I don't know that he'll ever get the letter. But I'm going to write Roger Staubach a letter. And I'm going to tell him about when I was a little boy, I used to pray that he would marry my mother. And I'm going to tell him that uh, I'm going to be preaching in Dallas, Texas. And would there be any way I could come back, come by and see Roger Staubach? And, uh, you know, since he was almost my father. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I wrote him the letter. And lo and behold, uh, one day the phone rang. And the lady said, uh, this is Roger Staubach's assistant. I said, oh, I'd prayed. You know, there, there's things you may say, Brother Benny, you're, 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 you're trite, you're uh, immature. I, I prayed that I'd get to meet Roger. I prayed I'd get to meet Billy Graham. And I, I was able to go to his home and spend time in, in Billy Graham's home. I pray about those things. Folks, let me tell you something. God's a big God. He can do anything. He can do anything. You say, well, well, you're nobody special, Benny. Oh, I know that. But I know he's somebody special. I know he's somebody special. The things that the Lord's allowed me to do, I know it's not been because I'm good. It's been because he's good. And he's a good God. And she called and she said, oh, Roger wants to meet you. I said, Roger wants to meet me? She said, yeah. I said, I'll ask you something, ma'am. Does he get thousands of requests of people wanting to meet him? She said, he gets thousands. I said, well, why is he meeting me? She said, he believed your story. He believed your story. I said, okay. So I plan to go, and I go to Savannah Abigail, and I said, Savannah, I want you to go with me. She said, where are we going? I said, well, we're going to Dallas, Texas. She said, well, why are we going to Dallas, Texas? I said, to meet your grandpa. <laughs> and I told Roger my story, and we spent an hour and a half together, and we were getting ready to leave. And he said, I'll ask you something, Benny. He said, uh, do you come to Dallas a lot? I said, well, <laughs> I can. You know what I'm trying to say. I said, I, I, I don't know what you've got in mind, but I said, I can. He said, well, let me tell you what I've got in mind. He said, I've got a box out here at the Cowboys Stadium. He said, I'd like for us to go to the game. I said, well, I'm only available 52 weeks a year. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm only available. I said, Brother Roger, before I go, can I ask you something? I said, sure. I said, you pl played for this wonderful Christian man, Tom Landry. You played for Tom Landry. And I said, you know, Tom Landry didn't coach like these coaches today. He didn't jump up and down on the sidelines. And I said, if I was a coach, I'd jump up and down on the sidelines. That's my 
personality. I'm just expressionary. But I said, Tom Landry wasn't that kind of coach. He just walked up there with a little hat on and kind of stood. I said, he seemed like he never got angry. He said, oh, no, he got angry. He said, he got angry. He said, Benny, the way you could tell when Coach Landry got angry is he gave you the stare. He said, Benny, you didn't want the stare. He gave you the stare. Let me tell you, folks, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him. One day, we're going to look into Jesus' eyes. Somebody said, Pastor, honey, I, I don't know what this is. Have you been watching, watching what's going on in Washington? I don't know what this world's coming to. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't, don't go to CNN. You don't get it there. You won't get it on Fox. Just come right here. I'll tell you what this world's coming to. This world's coming to Jesus. This world's coming to Jesus. This world's coming to Jesus. Because every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This world's coming to Jesus. Let me tell you something. Men, women, boys, and girls, we're all going to get the stare because we're all going to stand before him. We're all going to stand before him. So make sure we've got the right conclusion. Make sure the right conclusion is I'm right with him because nothing else matters. How big your house is doesn't matter. Whether you're a member of a church doesn't matter. Whether you own this or own that doesn't matter. What matters, do you know Christ? Nothing else matters. You say, I'm a good man. I'm a family man. All that's wonderful. But all that matters is, do you know Christ? And eternity is too long to be wrong. There's some wonderful football lessons. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then see, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. 
He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.